Thank you, Kelly Robinson. Hi, everybody, and good morning. Better morning. Still cloudy and cold out there, but what hit us this week? Now, if you're in Victoria, if you are in Corpus Christi, you're saying to yourself, I kind of heard something on the news. Well, what's Neil talking about? Anybody south of San Antonio doesn't really know. College Station, you got some, some ice, I understand. My hometown, where I grew up, we didn't have a lot of ice storms if we had any kind of storm. I was 18 before I ever saw it snow. It snowed overnight a few times when I was growing up, but it, I saw it snow when I was 18, for crying out loud. I know that's hard to believe, but actually saw snow falling when I was 18 years old. But for the rest of the state, this has been a mess. We live in the DFW area, and it was a mess. We had people stalled out on freeways and accidents and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, I think we're past that. Let's hope we're past it for this year. As far as I'm concerned, we can be past it for the rest of our lives. Let's uh, let's get on with gardening. It's time. I am here to talk about your landscape and your garden. Remember last year? Same kind of issues, just worse. <laughs> let's get on. Let's talk about springtime. Phone number, 888-256-1080. Obviously, we are live, and I'd love to hear from you. I need phone calls, 888-256-1080. We have four lines. Let's see if all four of them can ring at the same time, and you will hear the computer mind of Jared Taylor go lickety-split and then start to sizzle and burn and smoke will come out of that studio. So let's see if we can do that. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. I'd love to hear from you. We broadcast to more than 30 stations from uh, Alpine to Crockett, and the aforementioned uh, Victoria and Corpus Christi all the way to Amarillo. That should give you enough uh, of a variation. At one point this week, I, I texted my family and said, well, it's 12 in Amarillo and it's 72 in I don't know if it was Corpus Christi at that point or Harlingen, but I said, this is a crazy state. And and that was a stable temperature. That was not waiting for the cold front to arrive. It had already done all it was going to do, I think, as I recall. Anyway, uh, we can talk about gardening here right at the end of February as we go into uh, into the springtime. Um, there's a, just a lot going on right now. This is kind of the fulcrum of winter into spring. If you're in South Texas, you're in spring. And it will come really fast at you right now. So there's so much you need to get done. That's what we can talk about. But I'd rather talk about what is on your mind than what crosses my mind. I think that's a lot uh, uh, more timely, more important to you. So we begin by giving you the phone number one more time. I'll get my first break out of the way. And we'll see uh, if uh, people have questions they want to have answered. I I will tell you that in South Texas, it is time for your pre-emergent weed killer application. If that is what you're going to call about, I'll just take you uh, that that responsibility off your shoulders. It is time to apply either uh, Dimension or Halts or Baylan. Um, There are other materials that you can use. Pendimethalin is one. But those three are the ones that are most common in the nursery and hardware and feed store trade. So it's Dimension, Halts, and Baylan. And any one of those three will do the job. They last about uh, 100 days, plus or minus, depends on the rain, depends on things, soil, soil type. Sandy soils don't hold things as well. 
But that means that you need a booster shot. So 90 days from the time that you make your application, you need to make a second application. You're trying to prevent, hear this now, please hear this. This is what the pastor says on Sunday morning. Please wake up, please hear this. You are trying to prevent the germination of crabgrass and grass burrs. Crabgrass and grass burrs. You say, well, I don't see those until the summer. That's right. That's why you're trying to prevent pre-emergent weed killers, trying to prevent the germination of those before they ever get started. Once they germinate and start growing, then it's too late. You don't get that second chance. These are safe on any kind of lawn. They're safe around trees and shrubs. These are not weed and feed products. It's too early to fertilize lawns in almost all of the state. So those are the things that you need to do. You put out either dimension or halts or bayland at this time, and then 90 days later. That's South Texas. In Central Texas, you would wait until between the 5th and the 15th of March, and in the Panhandle and right along the Red River, you'd probably wait between the 10th and 20th of March, way north in the Panhandle, Amarillo and, and folks way north. You'd probably wait between the 20th and 30th of March. So your time is, is basically uh, governed by a couple of weeks, two weeks prior to the average date of the last killing freeze for your area. It's not rocket science, folks. Find out what the average date of the last killing freeze for your area is. Back it up by two weeks, and that's the time for the pre-emergent weed killer in your county. Simple as that. That is simple, isn't it? hope so. Well, lines are filled. Thank you. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting, and, and they look like great questions. Thank you for that, especially. All right, let me tell you about this. All of this is included in Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. That's my latest book. It's a hardback book that I uh, have ready for you. I'll be ready to mail it. I'll be ready to sign them tonight or tomorrow, get them in the mail early in the week, and I'd be happy to send one to you because this is the best work of my career. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening is a hardback. It is uh, 344 pages, 840 of my photographs, 11 chapters that cover all lawns, landscapes, annuals, perennials, fruit, and vegetable gardens, the whole works. Everything is in this book. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar telling you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and protect all the plants that you're trying to grow. The pre-emergent information is right there waiting for you, and it points out when you apply it in various parts of the state. And it tells you about the third application in, in late August, early September for the winter weeds, the weeds you're looking at right now. You have to put the pre-emergence on before you before you see the weeds. Now, that's uh, chapter two. And so in the 11 chapters, 344 pages, it covers everything for Texas, for every county in the state. I self-published this book so that uh, Carolyn Skye, my editor, and Cindy Smith, the graphic designer, and I could have the book that I always dreamed of. And the team of three of us did it, and I'm happy with it. I'm really happy where I'm selling from the fifth printing now. The sixth printing is stalled because of a paper shortage, and I have enough fifth printing to get us pretty far into the spring, I think, but I wouldn't delay because there will come a day when I'll say to you, I don't have any more books, and I hope that uh, you get one before then. I sign every copy as it sells because the book is not in stores. It's not on Amazon. I have them at my home, and I mail them personally. That's that's small business America, folks. I'm not not uh, ashamed of that. 
I'm really happy with this book, and I guarantee your satisfaction, or I'll refund every penny you invest in it. Only $36.95 plus tax and postage. I've not had one request for a refund yet. 74,000 copies sold. Here are the two ways you can order it. neilsperry.com or call my office Monday through Friday, business hours, 800-752-GROW. G-R-O-W. That's 800-752-4769. But the better way by far is to order it right now at N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. Seems like these days, temporary storage facilities are on every street corner. However, let's do a little bit of math. For what you are paying in yearly costs for that storage room that you're renting, you could own your own metal storage building and you'd have it right in your own backyard. How convenient. That happens with the Mueller Backyard Building. Their backyard building kits are easy to assemble. They come with a bolt-together design and they're priced right. You keep your stuff at home and you're not throwing away money by leasing storage. Their kits come in a variety of sizes and more than 30 colors from which to choose. That adds style to your storage space. If you need a larger storage solution, Mueller's pre-engineered standard series buildings can accommodate almost any need. Whether it's a smaller place for a lawnmower, a place for cars, boats, or maybe even an RV, you can have peace of mind that a Mueller Metal Building will protect those treasures at a reasonable price. See all the options at MuellerInc.com. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER, 877-268-2255. Three five five three. They're Mueller. They're made in America, and they are made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly. Thank you very, very much. We start the program out with Don in Alpine in Brewster County. Don, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I hear you perfectly. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you for calling my taking my call um basically now i know kind of under time crunch but i i want to start a new lawn uh i'm i'm uh i'm located uh you know about 10 miles south of of alpine and what what i have right now is just you know your typical what's in a pasture you know your grandmas and things like that so i guess my first question is on soil prep i mean do i need to till this up or is this something you know i've heard both ways so um and then I had a question on clover and which type of grass might be better. Uh, so, how large a that, lawn are you uh, intending to have, Don? Well, it's it could easily be an acre or over. It's just wherever I want to stop, and it's going to be fairly large. Um, yes. Um, are you on acreage acre. then? Yes. Are you I'm on, on the, uh, the Big acres. Bend High? What is that? One eighteen that goes south to Big Bend. Yes, one eighteen. Um, Good memory, just, Neil. Just over Big Hill. Do you okay. Know, are you, yeah. Well, it's about, been a while since eight, I've taken 118, but that's my favorite drive in Texas because that means I get to go to Big Bend National Park, which is one of my favorite yeah. places to be. Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. My dad taught at Sol Ross when I was, before I was born, in fact. Um, the... Uh, I'll I tell you, the, the pitfall you have, obviously, is is that you have a challenging 
environment. And I would encourage you to start small with the ability to grow your lawn in size as you as you desire. What are you looking, excuse the grammar here, any English teacher is going to hate this next sentence, what are you looking out at? Are you looking over a, a vista or are you looking at something or what? Um, as far as my location, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in a valley um, covered by hills. I'm just, you know, I'm looking out over, you know, pretty much a pasture. There, you know, you got a lot of your junipers and all that sort of stuff, your cedars. But uh, What, what uh, I did with our... What I did in the country where we live was I defined an area that I wanted to be my lawn. We have 11 acres, but it's a very different terrain than what you have and a different uh, outlook. But I didn't want to take care of a big area. That that becomes a, a, a real challenge, and it's quadrupled, quintupled, whatever, in Alpine because of your, your low humidity, your, your water shortages, everything. And you don't want to waste water. You just want to use it where you need it and, and have a, an attractive, functional lawn. Uh, there are some beautiful lawns in town, but they're also not an acre in size. Uh, what I would suggest you do is define what you want to be the focal point of your landscape. If it's looking out over a, a broad hillside or into a, a pretty grove of the cedar tree, since you're not on the top of a hillside, we're not either. We're at the bottom of a hill. Um, define where you want to look. If you need to put a retaining wall in as your boundary, a little shallow retaining wall, that's what I did. Um, and, and that was my definition. Here is where my landscape stops, and from up there, that's the football field that will be loosely maintained, and that's where the kids and I will throw the football around when, when our children are younger. And, and that worked out really well. I'm happy I made that decision because it saved a lot of maintenance on that upper part of, of our landscape. So if you can define that area, and then you can, if you if there's, there's a way to uh, start with a really nice lawn down close to the house um, and, and go out, I can't see your landscape, so I can't help you, but you go out then 15, 30, 40 feet, and from that point on, it's, it's a different level of maintenance, uh, then that will help you a great deal. I assume you're going to use common Bermuda grass. That that was another question. Um, I think that will be your best bet. If you if you plant buffalo grass, bet. which is drought tolerant, it's going to be invaded by Bermuda. If you have any Bermuda at all around, I'd go with common Bermuda, um, and 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 then just plant well, it gradually and look at it a long time before you make any decisions. That's what I did. I looked at mine for six months before I made any decisions of where I would do various things, but. Um, uh, as far as clover is concerned, I did not use a combination. I didn't want clover in my lawn, per se. On our hillside, initially, I didn't mind having clover if it was there, but I didn't encourage it. What I didn't want was, was grassy weeds that would compete with the Bermuda grass. And, and right. And, and really, Neil, what I'm looking for here is not necessarily a manicured lawn that you would find in town. Uh, it's more of a ground cover that looks nice. And that's, you know, uh, the Bermuda will do and, that. The Bermuda grass will and, do uh, that. You can get by with a little less water, a little less fertilizer. If it has a few competing plants that, that are that, that the, the foo-foo folks in, in the ritzy neighborhoods yeah. would say, well, those are weeds. In the country, they don't look like weeds. They just look like nice greenery out there, as long as they don't compete unfavorably with the Bermuda. Okay. 
so on the on the clover, uh, you know, I've seen benefits of having that. You know, it adds nitrogen. It does things like that, and, and it's can, not something that would bother me. Would that? Well, I, and I understand that, that but that's here? that's in an ideal situation, and I don't think you're in an ideal situation where you need to consider that for for adding nitrogen to to your area, to your soil in in Brewster County, because uh, because you can do that with a bag of fertilizer a lot better. A lot more efficiently than you will with clover. Uh, there's there's too much competition with the clover and the Bermuda grass. I, I wouldn't go out of my okay. way to invite clover in. I understand. Okay. On um, so, as far as soil prep, should I be tilling this? If, if yeah, you want to till it lightly. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me give you a quick answer. I do have other people waiting behind, but let me give you the quick answer. You you do want to uh, till it lightly. Uh, if you're going to be planting seed and the seed planting time in, in your area, uh, because you can have freezes fairly late, uh, would be May. Um, and uh, that would be uh, 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 tilling it just enough to loosen the top couple of inches of soil, rake it with a garden rake turned upside down, get any rock out of the way. Uh, you want to mix uh, common Bermuda seed. You want to buy it with the hulls removed, um, and and that you'll understand that when you go into the hardware store or the nursery to buy the seed. Um, mix it with equal amounts of cornmeal, just like you'd bake cornbread with, to extend the seed so it doesn't all run out of your spreader in, immediately. I use a handheld spreader instead of one with wheels, and uh, apply it at the rate of two to four pounds per thousand square feet. I try to put half of it going on east-west and the other half going north-south so I don't have any areas that I miss. Water it twice daily um, for just a few minutes, four or five minutes each time for the first week or two to get it started and then gradually cut back on the frequency and increase the amount until it's established. I got you. All right. Got to run. Okay. I hope that gets you started. I appreciate Can't it. wait to see pictures. Thank you, Don. I love your uh, love your city. David in Fritch, Bernard in Amarillo, stay with me. You're coming up next, and I'll get. I think I can get to both of you in the same uh, swath, and I'll I'll do that. Let me do a quick uh, version of Neil Sperry's E Gardens, my free electronic newsletter. Comes from my computer uh, to your email on Thursdays. And Thursday night, just a little after 6 p.m., there always are five stories. One of the stories is always a featured plant for that week. One of the stories is always a featured question for that week, a question that's come up repeatedly. Also, there's always gardening this weekend where I point out things that are most critical to be done in the ensuing three or four days. And then there are a couple of other stories, whatever crosses my mind, that I think will be of interest and of importance. It's always free, always will be. We've done it for 18 years. We have 80,000 subscribers, but you have to subscribe. I will never give or sell your email address to anyone. You can see what eGardens looks like by going to the page on my website where you sign up for it. And that's at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. That's where you also buy my book that I told you about, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. Take a look at the book, but also click on that eGardens page, and I think you'll want to be a part of it. Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com. More after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. Kelly and I have been friends 35 or more years. We have worked together, so that's a good friendship. Let's go to a David in Fritch. David, this is Neil. Good morning. 
Hi, Neil. Um, I've got two questions. We've got two pecan trees we had installed professionally about three years ago, and they're still alive, but they're not doing well. Okay. I need some information on care and feeding in this climate. All right. You are north of, of Amarillo, I understand, right? That's correct. We're what variety almost, did almost you get? Do you remember? Yeah, we've got a Kansas and a Pawnee. All right, good. Uh, good, uh, hardy, winter-hardy varieties. Um, yeah. How tall were they when they were planted, and were they bald and burlapped in containers or bare-rooted? They were bald and burlapped. They're about 15 feet tall, and they haven't really grown any in the last three years. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a wild-eyed guess, and uh, this uh, may or may not be accurate. Pecans are very difficult to transplant. It doesn't mean it can't be done, and the fact that yours are still living is a very good sign. Um, good. It's very rare that they are sold bald and burlapped. I, I don't see them in nurseries sold that way very often. I see them as, as young trees, small trees, bare-rooted, packed in moist uh, moss, and I see them in containers increasingly well, often. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that back. I'm pretty sure they were in containers. I think I've still got one laying around somewhere. All right. Um, the thing that is always recommended by uh, – I have a, a good friend – let me let me back up long enough to say something. Fruit and pecans are not my strongest suit. My background has always been in ornamental horticulture, not in, in fruit yeah. and, and pecans. And so on another program that I do in the Metroplex, one, uh, one day a year on the same day as the Super Bowl, I have Dr. George Ray McEachern, who now is retired, but for 39 years we've dedicated that entire program to the subject of fruit and pecans. And George Ray unwavingly, uh, for all 39 years, has said when you plant a pecan, you cut it back by half. Now, that's generally been because they've been bare-rooted plants. Uh, a container-grown plant, if it was truly grown in a pot, you wouldn't have to prune it back by that much. But there still is root loss when you transplant a, a pecan out of a container because you're going to have to do some pruning to the root system. Their, their tap root is such that it's going to spiral around down in the bottom of the pot. I hope there's no girdling going on of the root system. Uh, there's no way to yeah. check it at this point. That would have been done at the time it was taken out of the pots. You bought these, yeah. uh, you bought these from a, a reputable nursery, not, not just a, not just a home well, center. I bought, yeah, I bought them from a guy, and he's still in business, so he must be doing something right. Yeah, that's fine. Um, what I would, what I would do, the, the secret to getting a pecan to grow, this is, this is, uh, this is even below, this is kindergarten level horticulture, not even 101, is nitrogen. It's a, a two-sided secret, nitrogen and water. Uh, you need to right. fertilize them three times in the spring. Once is, uh, in your area, first of April, first of May, first of June with a okay. pretty quick release nitrogen. So ammonium sulfate would be fine just to get a burst yeah. of growth in the spring and uh, yeah. then a lot of water. Don't let them get dry uh, as they're trying to grow during the uh, during the growing season. And those okay. are the two things that will keep them growing. And they've been in long enough now that you can do that. You might not have wanted to try that the first year, but by now you certainly yeah. can do that. 
Um, yeah, I've, I've hit them with twenty one zero zero ammonium nitrate, and uh, that's, but I that's don't think I've been sulfate. using enough. Yeah, that's ammonium sulfate. Ammonium nitrate is thirty three zero zero. Yeah. But anyway, you're you're doing the right thing there, and the water is the other half of that key. And then okay. it may be that they should have been pruned uh, when they were planted, and the nursery. The nursery may say, no, Neil's wrong on that, and I'm okay if they say that to you. I, I, they get the vote on that one. If if he knew, knows or she knows that the, the roots were all there and uh, that they were not root-bound, then, okay, that's fine. But that would be my concern. There's nothing else that would keep a pecan from growing uh, other than the okay. three or four things that we've talked about. Okay. Can I ask one more? Sure. Yeah. Make it quick. Bernard uh, is Aunt Amarillo, and you're going to run I into will. him in the store sometime. He's going to give you a bad look if you take too long. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, we've got a, a, a flower bed on the west side of our house, but it doesn't get any sun because it sits right next to a big fruitless mulberry, and it completely blocks out the sun. What can we put in there with a little color that will grow in the deep shade? There are tons of things. You're talking about annuals? Annuals or perennials, we're not particular. All right, let me just, this off the top of my head, this is where the, uh, the, the well, I'm about to do an ad for my book, and uh, there is a chart, I'm, this is almost going to sound like the ad for my book, there's a chart in the annual, uh, also a chart in the perennial section, that is coded uh-huh. in a way that you can see the 20 or 25 annuals that do best in shade, and the 15 or 20 perennials that do well in shade. It's it's identified by by uh, within the chart, and uh, you you pick and choose from those by color, by height, by growth form, uh-huh. and by sun or shade. Uh, in terms of annuals, you're looking at things just off top of my head, like coleus and wax begonias. Um, uh-huh. uh, I use a lot of both of those. Impatiens would do very well for you in the panhandle. Um, I have pentas yeah. if it's not extremely heavy shade. Um, and some of this is experimenting to see what will uh, do well from one year to another. Understand. I use a lot of foliage, foliar color. I use tropical plants in mine uh, that are affordable enough that I can lose them at the end of the year, or I, I put them in my greenhouse in the wintertime. Uh, in perennials, mm-hmm. you're looking at everything from oxalis and violets and ajuga in the springtime to summer flocks. Those will all do well in shade, and there are a lot of others, okay. but just to get started, those would be it. Hey, I appreciate your call. Cool. I hope you have a great day. Stay warm up there. Thank you, sir. All right, you bet. Take care. Bernard, stay with me. I, I must get this break in. You are coming up very next. I haven't even given the phone number now for a while. I better do that, too. The number is uh, 888-256-1080. You'll be right behind Bernard if you uh, call right now, 888 256 1080. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening is your go-to gardening reference. There are 25 multi-page charts in the book, and those are just two examples of those. I self-published this book so I can say to you this is the work I've always wanted to have. The Complete Guide to Texas Gardening was, was nice when it came out 40 and 30 years ago, but and that's the one with the cowboy boots on the cover. But I never was satisfied with it because I had too many committee meetings where the committees were always, this is from the publisher's uh, side, they always were saying, uh, we just got to cut some of this out. There's too much stuff in here, and uh, it's going to cost too much to print it. 
can't do that, can't do it, can't do this, can't do that. And I said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cut out, instead of cutting out pages, we're going to cut out the publisher. <laughs> I'll be the publisher. And we won't, we'll cut out the stores, and uh, I'll be the store. And we'll keep the price down low by doing that. And that's what's happened. It's only thirty six ninety five plus tax and postage. And that old boot book, if you look it up, is more than that. And it has a lot less information. It says 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, things you have to know to get you started on hardiness zones and soils of Texas and rainfall and things of that sort. Chapter 2 is that 48-page calendar of when to do everything. I've never had it in a book before. Nobody would have let me. Chapters 3 through 11 are incredibly detailed chapters on trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. 344 pages, 840 of my photographs, and it's printed in San Antonio, not in China like so many other publishers now are doing. It's not in stores, it's not on Amazon, it's in my garage. It is in my garage with a dehumidifier, keeping it absolutely perfect, so I can sign as soon as the order comes in. That's how we do it. I sign every copy. Your satisfaction is completely guaranteed, and as I said, only thirty-six ninety-five plus tax and postage. I've sold and signed 74,000 copies, and I have not had one request for a refund. Here's how you order it since it's not in stores and not on Amazon. You can call my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Here's the number. That's one way you can order it. 800-752-GROW, G-R-O-W. That's 800-752-4769. The other way, the better way, is right now at my website, neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll have more after these messages. Anywhere. Such a deal. Let's go to Bernard in Amarillo. We've been promising all day we'd do that. Bernard, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Neil? I'm well. You're a very patient soul. Do you know that? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're for right that. there. Thank you. Say, I got a question. Um, how would you... Um, plant a bodark tree from seeds well um each fruit has many many seeds i would get some of the fruit that has mummified now out on the ground and and comb through it i don't you know i've never done that i don't know if it's still sticky or not probably wouldn't be i might still use throwaway gloves plastic gloves but but uh, the little seeds are not very large they're bb sized or so and and right. i'd probably start them in pots um just uh, just, just put them in pots and they'll, yeah four they'll inch grow, pots huh? to to get them started and and then uh, uh go from there select one that looks like it's a good vigorous tree and and uh, plant it i would not plant more than one um in a in a given location you don't want multiple trunked ones um I'd, well, I don't know that there's anything wrong with a multiple trunk bodark clump. They're they're bizarre trees anyway. They grow strangely anyway, and so if you had one with three <laughs> trunks, it wouldn't be wrong. I have bodark trees on our property, and uh, they were native there when we bought the property. And I, well, first of all, first of all, I don't want to ruin my chainsaw trying to cut them down. <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> I kind of like them. I'm kind of gnarly looking myself, and I just figure you know we deserve each other 
Yeah, we got one down here on the corner somewhere. No, they're called Arnwood. Yeah, I, I know why. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they have a beautiful wood. The wood is uh, for folks who don't know. It's it's it has a lot of different names, folks. This is called hedge or hedge apple in the north, and uh, bodark and uh, uh, just yellow something. Yeah, it's it's bright yellow. Fence posts are made from it, and old houses in Texas uh, before we had foundations. And before there were concrete blocks, old houses were, were leveled on Bodark stumps and, uh, well, on, yeah. on Bodark blocks because uh, it doesn't rot. It's, it's just about as permanent as anything. The old fences that were put in 100 years ago with Bodark posts are still there. I, I used to turn pens. I have vertigo now, and I can't do that anymore, but I used to turn pens as a fundraiser for a substance abuse charity. And the Bodark pens are just beautiful. Uh, I had all the wood stabilized with an acrylic resin, and, and uh, uh, it came back not accepting very much of the resin because the wood is so hard, and, and they were very easy to turn. Uh, just beautiful. It's a lovely wood. Um, I, I will tell you there is a thornless, fruitless Bodark available in the nursery trade, not I don't think I've, the only place I ever saw it was many years ago at Fanuc Nursery in San Antonio. And uh, I, but I think it's available online. I think you can buy it online, which would be a really nice asset to have a thornless, fruitless one. Um, right. So you might consider buying one that way if, if you have interest. Okay. One more quick question. On my peach tree, do I, uh, uh, Prune that back or not? Yes, sir. Peaches are pruned every winter. Uh, for folks who are in the northern two-thirds of the state, you probably can still do it, but once they start budding out, it's it's uh, not a good plan to be pruning that late. Okay. Uh, you How prune far them back? by removing all the strongly vertical shoots. Your goal with a peach tree is to have three scaffold branches uh, somewhere in the 22 to 24-inch range from the ground. And they go out almost horizontally, not quite, but almost horizontally, so that the tree, when it's mature, is eight to, well, nine or ten feet tall and 15 or 16 feet wide. And then every winter, you, you remove maybe 30, 40, 50 percent of the growth because that's the growth that goes straight up, and you don't want vertical growth on peaches and plums. You want to remove that and, and keep kind of a cereal bowl shape to the tree. <clears throat> they are very much uh, uh, pruned in the winter. That's okay. every year. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate your call, and most of all, I appreciate your patience and friendship. Thank you, sir. Okay. Have a great appreciate, day. Appreciate Thank everything. You. you bet. Have a okay. good day. All righty. Let me tell you about my website. It's neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Hope you'll go there. Hope you'll look around because once you get there, you will see a lot of information. One of the things you'll find will be my 1001 Frequently Asked Questions, 1001. That was a book I did once, and when the publisher went bankrupt, I said, all right, I own the rights to the book. I'm just going to put that baby right on my website and make it free of charge to everybody to give them a reason to go to the website. So there you are, 1,001 Questions Answered. I spent a year writing that book. You see why I self-published my latest book, Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening? That also is available from my website. That's one of the two ways you can buy the book. It's not in stores and not on Amazon, either from my website or by calling my office during the week. Uh, so those are two things. 
Uh, you'll also find a lot of information on, on Rose Rosette virus. I just leave that archive there because I'm asked about it so many times. And St. Augustine Diagnostics, same deal. Get asked so many times, I just leave that information right there. And you also can sign up for eGardens, my free electronic newsletter. All of that at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. The 1930s were difficult times for America. The country was in the Great Depression. Jobs were scarce, but hopes remained high. It was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. Now, 90 years later, the Mueller name is known across the South as having the finest in quality steel and workmanship. Mueller and its products, they understand what it means to weather the storm, A Mueller metal roof is made to last and to protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather we're accustomed to in our area. A Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, the heavy rain, hail, and even snow and ice for years to come. That's a lot longer than conventional roofs. If you want peace of mind for the future, choose a metal roof for your home, a roof that's made by Mueller. Visit MuellerInc.com to find out more and to find a location near you. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R. A Mueller metal roof is the best thing to put over your head. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER, 877-268-3553, or stop by one of their 33 locations. They are Mueller. They're made in America, and they're made to last. Mueller, Inc., Com. More after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. Appreciate that. Well, we don't have time to take another call uh, to, to ask for calls at this point, so I'm not going to do that. Um, I will kind of talk it up to the end of the program. Several things that I need to mention to you. I, I began the program by reminding you that it is time in South Texas for your pre-emergent uh, weed application. This is granules of either Baylan or Dimension or Holtz. You put the granules out now to prevent crabgrass and grass burr germination. This has nothing to do with the weeds that you can see out there right now. That application should have been made back around Labor Day, the last week of August or the first week of September. Um, you have to make a second application of one of those three materials uh, 90 days from the first application in the spring uh, to get a full season of control of crabgrass and grass burrs. Again, the, the operative timing is two weeks prior to the average date of your last killing freeze in your area. In South Texas, that date has actually passed, so you are on borrowed time right now. Um, but this year has been late because of the cold spells. But sometime uh, soon, you need to get that out. Um, I grew up in Brazos County, and, and that time would be pretty close now uh, across that band of Texas. And then in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area along the Interstate uh, 20 corridor, uh, your timing would be uh, between the 5th and 15th of March. And uh, you get up into the panhandle, and you're looking more like the 15th to 25th of March, something like that. It's not precise. The precise date is going to depend on your um, uh, on your frost-free date, the average date of the last killing freeze. So, Baylan, Dimension, or Holtz. Um, other things. It's time now to plant uh, uh, 
leafy and root vegetables. These are some of the minor vegetables by all standards, but that would be things such as uh, spinach and uh, lettuce, carrots, beets, uh, also uh, radishes, things of that sort uh, in your garden. Uh, you can also plant uh, frost, frost-hardy uh, annual flowers, such as petunias and stalks and calendulas, things like that, in the central and, well, mainly the central parts of the state. South Texas, you're pretty much looking at the summertime color before too much longer. That's too much to go into at this point. You get the idea. Talk to your nurseryman. That's going to be your best bet. I've enjoyed this. We'll be back next week. Same time, same station. Thanks for listening. Happy gardening.